You're tuned in to Fork Podcast. This week, we'll talk to Matt Sukalekchuk, former athlete who reinvented himself multiple times and stayed on top of his game. I think it's important to whatever you do is to get absolutely obsessed with it. So for me, like when I was ready to do MMA, that was the only thing that I ever focused on. Hey there, this is Sean Chris Lewis on Fork Podcast. And today I am here with my man, Matt Suck a luck, Chuck. I love that last name, dude. And I bet you hear that all the time. Matt, um, I want to thank you for coming in here today. And if there's anybody who really inspires me, somebody who has overcome a lot of adversity, I would say you're the guy. And um, listen, I'm looking really forward to hearing all about you. And I'm looking forward to what you have to share with us here today. So Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. So a little about me, I'm uh, 30 years old, originally from Brantford, Ontario. I moved here to Montreal about six years ago um, with ambitions of uh, fighting uh, full-time. Career path kind of changed, so now I am a personal trainer and boxing coach, and uh, hopefully uh, in the near future, decide to uh, open my own gym. Wow, that's that's the ambition, dude, and um, I know it's all going to happen because you've shared a just even just the tip of the iceberg with me in the few conversations that I've had. And if uh, you, anybody can make anything happen, it's going to be you. Um, listen, I want to, I want to ask you, Matt, like there's something I want to jump in right to with you because it's, it really has been on my mind since we, we, we first talked, which was how does a guy reinvent himself so frequently so not so frequently i shouldn't say that but how does a guy go through life turbulence as you've experienced and and just you don't seem to stay down man i think it's important to have uh positive influences in your life like for me it was a lot to do with my my family having a strong uh mom and dad and kind of seeing them they really didn't say much i kind of learn through their uh, actions more than anything else. I also think it's important not to marry to anything um, that you try to define yourself by. So I think it's important to always continue to keep changing, keep growing, keep evolving, and to kind of have new ideas and new outlook on life and just kind of, you know, I guess for a you know, boxing term, roll with the punches. Yeah. Um, how So, but you weren't always, you said you came to Montreal to, to start your, your fighting career. But um, what it was? What were you originally doing before you came to Montreal? So originally, um, it was always about football. Growing up, uh, I only started playing football when I was in grade nine. I didn't want to play because of the tight pants. Um, but obviously, that changed. <laughs> um, yeah. So then I was able to play football. Went pretty far. Went to the University of Waterloo, uh, where I had my first year. And then, um, unfortunately, I got suspended uh, for four years for steroids and human growth hormone. First person in North America. And then after that, I decided, you know, I was still young, 21 years old. I wanted to continue to be an athlete. I wasn't ready to, you know, move on and do the workforce and work a nine to five. I knew I had something else to give. So I always boxed and did wrestling in the summertime. So I decided, you know what, I just want to try my luck at fighting. And Montreal was the best place being at TriStar Gym. So I decided to move here and, and fight full time. And, and that even worked out quite well for you in the end. 
Yeah, so I ended up having uh, five professional fights um, and, and doing quite well. Um, also a bunch of amateur fights. I did a bunch of wrestling tournaments. I was 86 kilo uh, Quebec champion in 2017. Um, so I just took uh, what I knew from football and athletic ability and the hard work, and I just applied that to, uh, to MMA. Well, listen, um, you just talked about um, being in football, and this was the story that jumped out at me. And I really want to be clear, Matt. I didn't. I I want to hear about that that original story of in Waterloo and your suspension, but I didn't want you to have the impression that I wanted to have you on my podcast to only talk about that. I think it, there's a there was it was a pivotal moment in your life, and something came of it, but. There's so much more to you, and I want to be clear to anybody who's listening. There's just so much substance to you, and I don't want to focus only on that story, but I do want to just take you back to that story a little bit so that people can learn from it. Um, I think there's a lot of value in that, and when you spoke to me about it, it really spoke volumes. So... Can I take you back to the time in Waterloo playing football? Um, tell me a bit about that. So it all kind of started before I went to Waterloo. I went to a, um, a prep school in Virginia called Fork Union Military Academy. Um, when I decided to go there, I wanted to obviously have the ambitions on playing Division One football, NCAA. Um, unfortunately, my grades just weren't good enough, so I wasn't able to accept any scholarships. So then... When I decided to go do forking the military academy, a lot of the Canadian schools were like, you're not going to make it or just come to us. We're going to um, help you out. Um, the only school that kind of gave me their blessing was University of Waterloo. They said, OK, go ahead and try. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, come back and you're more than welcome to try out for our team and be on our team. So when I came back from forking the military, military academy, it didn't work out. They were the first school I contacted. Uh if you don't know much about athletics, Waterloo is more of an academic school with their math and their science program. I'm not the top athletic or academic, uh, you know, student. So I uh, decided to go there based on just, you know, the coaching. We had uh, two previous high-level CFL coaches, so I knew that I'd be able to go there. So our first season went pretty well. I think we became, uh, we made the playoffs, un- unfortunately losing in the first round. Um, but I knew that football was my ticket. So I decided to, um, how, how can I get bigger and stronger in the off season? You know, with, with sports, it's always about what have you done lately? So I remember one time, uh, some were doing a bench press competition, like for our testing and the guy gets, uh, 18 reps. And last time he tested, he got 14 coach is going ecstatic. He's excited. I get 26 and then I get 28. Oh, you only got up by two reps. I go, yeah, but I'm doing 10 more than the next guy behind me. It's always, they want you to improve and improve and improve, which I get, but it comes to a time where the human body can be pushed so much. So I decided, you know, I look at my peers in the NFL, CFL, things like that. These guys are bigger, stronger, faster, and they weigh more. I said, they must be taking something or have an advantage somewhere else. So I decided to uh, take steroids and human growth hormone um, so we get called in one morning after a team testing and, um, we have our coach stand in front of us and said, guys, please bear with us. We're going to test the full team for blood and urine. This is on March 31st. Um, he told us that one of our players, uh, got caught 
And uh, I guess he was um, selling furniture on Kijiji. So when the police searched his house, they found $20,000 worth of steroids and human growth hormone. With all that being found, they decided to maybe test a full football team and see if he was selling to them. Out of, I think, 60 players, nine of us got caught for steroids, but I was the only one who got caught for human growth, growth hormone, which is the first person in North America to get caught. So the test is only, I guess, uh, detectable for about 24 hours. I got tested at 9 a.m. I took it at 7 a.m. And the morning of, I had this weird feeling like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do it. I was already running late for my practice, but I decided, no, you know what, like uh, I'm going to take the extra time and I'm going to do it. So as soon as they, they said they're going to test our full team, it was, uh, my face went white and everyone's kind of like looking at me because without knowing, like I was 260 pounds playing university football and I was very quick and fast. And so they kind of knew that, uh, you know, I was on it without being said. Um, so yeah, after, um, after we got tested, I knew it was kind of the end for me there. Um, during that time, when they told me I tested uh, positive, we had an uh, arbitration uh, time for me to appeal my suspension. Even though it was one failed test, it was two drugs, so they tried to make an example uh, out of me. So they gave me four-year suspension, which later went down to three years. But obviously, a lot of your identity was tied up in there. Or am I wrong? Is uh, did this affect your identity in any way? Well, yeah, like you mentioned, especially being from a small town, um, things tend not to change. So you can go back to my small town now and it's the same people working the same job for the last 20 years and they're okay with doing that. So when I go back and visit, it's like that day is relived every single time and it's like they haven't moved on, but I've moved on and done so much more. You went on to do duplicate success from football into MMA. So clearly it's there's an individual at play who's constantly perfecting their skills. And um, tell me about how you discipline yourself to to succeed in in multiple areas of of performance. Well I think it's important to whatever you do is to get absolutely obsessed with it so for me like when i was ready to do mma that was the only thing that i ever focused on was just that and i i came to the point where i moved to a, a province that i need the language to and i just you know i would bounce and figure out ways to make money just so i could continue to fight and um you know eventually it would, it would pay off but i mean if you want something i mean you have one life to live you might as well just go out and just do it yeah because that that's an interesting point because you're when I look at you, uh, big guy, like you said yesterday that somebody had thought that you were your client's bodyguard and, <laughs> and, uh, and because that's how you, you look and you're covered tattoos. I don't really judge a book by its cover. However, the cover is, this is a pretty tough guy, but tell me about the, the, the tattoos. Yeah. So I ended up getting uh, my first tattoo. My mom took me when I was 17 um, and I never was really into tattoos much. And then all of a sudden I got my first one and you know, I enjoyed it. I mostly just enjoyed the positive feedback of people like looking and being like, wow, that, that looks amazing. And then I was like, if I get another one, then maybe they'll think that one's amazing too. So then I kept getting more and more and more. And then, um, I mean, th there's been spans of, you know, five years when I first moved here, I didn't get any, 
I go through different phases in my life where sometimes I'm in a super, you know, positive place. I'll get more positive tattoos. And then when I'm more of a negative place, I get more like not not negative tattoos, but more tattoos are maybe more like how I'm feeling in a sense of like uh, like not darker but more like not as happy or as uh, like joyful as i normally am because i just like anyone else like i have two sides i want people to see that both sides of me not just like the one playful side i also have like a you know sad and upset side as well matt tell me um now back to i just going one more time back to your transition coming to montreal after your experience in waterloo i i think sometimes people have a tendency to feel that change and self reinvention is is like an instagram quote you know like just the hard times we all rise from the, the, the from the darkest places the greatest things happen and though i agree with that i think there's people who enter those dark areas of life and sometimes don't emerge better yeah you know what i think it's important to you know understand and read those quotes but you also need to apply as well there's been tons of times where I look for those inspirations. A lot of the things is I love listening to motivational uh, quotes like uh, Inky Johnson or Eric Thomas or, or motivational people like that. But at the end of the day, it has to come from within. You have to do it yourself. No one's going to, you know, pick you up for you or, you know, move forward. There was a time where, you know, I was just, you know, very depressed and sleeping all the time and drinking and fighting. It's just very angry person inside. This is during. This is shortly after what had transpired in Waterloo. Exactly. So after Waterloo and being suspended, it was just like I had no identity. Like I was always Matt, the football player. And then I was just like this guy who tested positive, this bad person. And like I said, being in a small town, you can't go to the gas station without seeing twenty-five people you know, or the grocery store. My mom worked at a drugstore, so it's it's very tough to even you know go about your town to your day to day without everyone reminding you on uh, on what you did um i think that is common isn't it where when people have done something even if you're very young at the time you were very young but you'd still done football for many years and i i think this is an an issue that even ceos within companies who are let go go through this spiral where they they're trying to reinvent themselves. They feel that they've done something for so long. And then when you strip that away, the trying to find the identity can put people in a very dark place. So I, I guess, yeah, drinking and fighting could be one, especially for a young man at the time. And um, do, you, do you feel that today you go through those dark times? Is there... Is there is there times where you're transitioning into something different where there's there's those dark moments that you you had when you were younger? Do you feel there's any reminiscence of that? Or is I think I'll always have those type of like maybe traits that I uh, that I possess, but I think it's important to not be friends with them, but know that they're there. So it's important that when you see that happen, I'm a huge advocate of when something like something that I feel, I don't suppress it. I let it kind of take, not take me over, but I, I let it like live through me. So when I'm depressed and I'm sad, 
like I'll be depressed and I'll be sad and I'll let that emotion kind of run through me and then I'll deal with it as it's happening. I don't try to suppress it or try to change my mood or things like that. I think it's important to live through it, see how you feel and how you can better yourself. Are there tools that you use to to navigate those times of life? Is it training or... For me, a lot of people tend to train when they get upset. For me, my mind is the the biggest advocate. So if, if my mind is, you know, I do a lot of strength training. So there's a huge gap in between my, you know, my squats. Let's say it's a three-minute gap. And the whole time that three minutes is going, I'm thinking about whatever's on my mind. So for me, I have to be able to uh, run. I love teaching. When I'm teaching boxing or training people, I think about absolutely nothing but the session itself. So I tend my I tend to maybe be a little more down on, on days that I don't work as much. If I work a 10-hour day, I don't think about anything, and it's the best day ever. When I have one or two clients, I start thinking about maybe does no one wants to train with me, um, maybe I'm not a good trainer anymore, and all these thoughts start coming through my mind, even though they it's just because I'm not busy and I have to keep, my mom always says, uh, um, an idle mind is a devil's playground. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I share that. And definitely, Matt, I, if I'm busy and I'm in my flow and I'm, I'm just doing great. Uh, but the moment I get the time on my hands, it's just, I seem to go into these places in my head that are just not productive at all. And, um, so I guess some people say, well, you got to slow down. And you, I, I, I personally feel that in that rhythm, I'm very positive. I I'm actually more positive. I I'm the busier I am, the the more I'm giving, the more I I understand things around me. It's like you see the picture more clearly when you're in your zone, right? When you're just working hard and doing things and it doesn't mean your life's off balance just because you were you're working hard, correct? Yeah, I totally, totally agree. I think it's important to stay busy and active and either you're active through uh, work or you're ac active through exercise or you're reading or you're bettering yourself somehow. I think it's important to keep your mind uh, moving and active instead of sitting there and dwelling on uh, what you're going through. What would um, what would you say are your, your greatest skills or tools that you use to for your betterment, like just to make yourself a better person. What do you, what would you say are like your, your, your powers? Definitely comedy, um, are my powers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, people think it's like more of a uh, defense mechanism or a coping mechanism to make everything into a joke, but it's honestly the, it's, it's, if you can't laugh at yourself what you're going through, I mean, you can't really, you know, deal with it. You kind of have to take, uh, you know, one, one day at a time and kind of go through there. Do you find that because of your career and what you do for a living that there's this expectation on you to be, um, say, like with your Instagram stories sharing, eating a box of cookies, you know, do you feel that, that people don't get that? Well, I feel like people are either all in or all out. Like, I think it's important to have that balance. And people, now everyone thinks all I do is eat cookies or pizza and and at one point, yeah, sometimes I do only eat cookies and pizza. But, I mean, I also have uh, a daily balance of, uh, you know, I, I enjoy salads and chicken and, and things like that. But that's not pleasing to see. No one wants to see a green salad. They'd rather see some s'more Oreos. <laughs> I Yeah, I think I agree. I That would be me posting the green salads, you know. If I ate a box of s'mores, I would not, I'd be looking very different these days. Yeah. I, um... When when you're out and and doing your your 
daily action, you know, then you're, you're tattooed up, looking tough. How do you network with people? How do you find that people network with you because you feel that they, they, they might be intimidated by you? How, do you think that affects them? Uh, definitely. Like anytime I go to a grocery store, I always get, you know, those stares or people looking at me in a different way. And I just, in my mind, I just wish that they were able to like have a conversation with me and to understand like who I am as a, as a person and not just like how they see me. The funniest thing is, uh, lately I've been training a lot of older clients in their seventies and eighties and things like that. So as I go out through my normal day, because it's a very close community, I'll go out and I'll see, maybe two or three older ladies that I train and people are looking at me like, how does he know this 75 year old woman? Like, shouldn't she be scared for her life? And I'm like helping her because we're friends because she knows who I am and we're, you know, we've been training and it's always very different when we first start training a new client because I know how I look and how people perceive me to be. And after you can see they're kind of like, you know, hesitant because I do in-home training. So I go to their house, I meet their family and I'm in their house and I can kind of see, not that they're uneasy, but they're more just like never had anyone look like me, maybe that close to them. So I could tell them maybe they're a little uneasy, but honestly, it takes three seconds until I open my mouth. You realize that like, I'm not just some trainer off the street. Like I have a good education, good background, good morals. And like, I'm just here to help people reach their goals. You told me you actually are uh, at your clients' houses sometimes, and you're you're having breakfast with the the kids and the and the family. Yeah, so uh, I have this one client. Every time I go in the morning, um, uh, his wife has breakfast for me and uh, his two children. And as he's getting ready to box, I'm having breakfast with a six and a three year old, and we're just talking about school and uh, their coloring books and and things like that. And they love all my tattoos, and they they wish they could draw on themselves too. That would that must be awesome just to see that happening. <laughs> so, okay, now I'm just getting super curious about asking a couple of questions that I just always want to ask somebody. When you get in a ring, and you're like about to get punched, man, and you're about to give it out, you're, you're like, what's going through your head? Well. Playing football, you have the 11 other guys behind you. So you're walking out to the ring before your fight. You're, you know, you're, you're pretty excited. And, uh, and then your coach says, okay, um, good luck. And you go, wait, 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 you're not coming with me. So you step in the cage. And, but to be honest, as soon as that cage closes, it's like a different person takes over. Just as you would if you were to you know, play hockey, step on the ice, like a different person shows up. And, you know, the feeling of... Everyone goes, yeah, you might get hit. I go, yeah, but I also get to hit him too. Like it's a 50-50 chance. And some people don't like taking those chances. They're like sure things, you know, or if we fail, you know, we fail as a team. I love individual sports in that aspect. You know, if I lost, I put it on myself, no one else but me. But there's literally no better feeling than just looking across the ring and just being like, I get to, you know, fight this person. Hey, tell me though, um, I listened in when you and I first talked and I said, okay, I'm going to, go google matt suck a luck chuck and i mean man you like popped right up there and <laughs> and there there it was waterloo and and i'm like damn you know like this guy's doing so much with his life and it's just always like these like this we gotta pump this podcast up so this takes number one hit you know it right. does i mean because what really is disturbing is you've done so much and that sits at the top and What's up there with it is this interview that you had with um, a reporter. And you talked to me a little bit about that. You said she called you and 
and I don't, I don't even want to talk about the interview because you people can go listen to it if they want, because I want to give you an opportunity right now to just say, what would you have really liked to say during that interview? Well, as we talked previously, kind of talked about, I wanted people to kind of see a different side. All they saw was, you know, this football player um, being banned uh, for steroids. So they automatically assume maybe I'm not a good person, bad judgment, things like that. So when I did this interview, I wanted to sound or come off as if like I'm not this bad person. I'm very remorseful, which I am, but she kind of took it as um, like taking shots at me instead. Like, why would you do this? It was almost like we were going through a breakup and I did something wrong. And she was just yelling at me. Yeah. And Noam is saying, okay, like uh, if I get aggressive or I get angry and lash out, oh, are you still on steroids? Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're aggressive now. So it literally was a lose-sue situation. I, I left the studio with like this like puzzled look of like, I don't know what even happened. It was, it was very confusing. You know what I'm going to like really, give, I'm going to give you a compliment right on that is that that showed that you were kind of owning your decision, you know, like we know that, that, that you, you just said remorseful and I, I'm not on that with the, I don't think you need to be remorseful about it by any means, but what I do love that you made this decision, the reporter is coming down on you. You realize you were able to put it together, like right on the spot. You're like, okay, if I turn into a raging, <laughs> crazy man, now everybody's just gonna be, oh, there he is. There, there's the, there's the, the raging growth hormone guy. Exactly. So you were able to, like, I hated to hear you like in the interview like that. Because, but doesn't it bug you that you kind of? deserve to be in this position because we make a choice then you get caught something happens and you find yourself having to like be a certain way so that people don't like judge you even more yeah it was definitely uh like an awkward situation and looking back on it now like i can't even remember the the interview with such a daze and you know, like she would just call through the phone. I thought she was going to be in front of me. And, you know, it was just a uh, very, um, like just very rude tone and everything she asked. Very condescending. Yeah. Yeah. And, but again, just a big shout out to you for just have, being able to put the whole story together and say, listen, I got to be here and take my licks because if I act any other way, it's just going to be more confirmation for everybody. So I'm just going to grin and bear it and, it was painful to see you have to sit through that kind of interview, but you know that you you handled it well, and I think you handled it the only way you could. And then it's about moving on and reestablishing your relationship, or your um, reestablishing your your identity, but also your reputation. Now, you and I talked a little bit about reputation. What's reputation mean to you? You know, it, it's how people uh, they see you and how they describe you and, and uh, you know what your overall like I guess aura is. Um, I, I like to uh, I like to say that I have a good reputation in my community. You know I'm hardworking. I'm polite. I'm on time. You know traits that everyone should you know you should be on time. You should be polite to people um, because I know how I would want to be treated as a client. I think it's also important to put yourself in their shoes as well and to kind of see 
you know, they're paying for a service. As a personal trainer, you're in the service industry. It's important that you give them a good service, no matter how talented you are, how much you know them, no, no more than they do. I think it's very uh, disrespectful when you start speaking down to people. When our reputation gets damaged, like, and one of the conversations you and I had when we first met was about how reputation is everything. And when your reputation gets damaged, for whatever reason, good, whether it's justified or not, there's this path to rebuilding your reputation. And it's a very painful path. It's, it's really just full of self-doubt. It's full of um, anxiety. How did, you, how did you navigate the path to becoming Matt of today versus this Matt who was literally getting his, his reputation thrown in the garbage? So when you talk about self-doubt, like I am the exact example of when I have a coach and he says, you know what, you suck, you're not doing very well. I say, yeah, you're probably right. I probably I probably do suck. So I need very positive people around me. I, I learned very early that it's very important to have the positive influences uh, in your life, almost like pump up people. But obviously they're telling you the truth. But those friends will also tell you when you're messing up, hey, you need to smarten up and, you know, because they're looking out for you for who they know you can be. Um, it's important to, you know, always, uh, like, you know, be who you say you are. Like if you say you're, you know, you're honest and trustworthy, like be that person, be true to who you are. And I think, you know, it happens a lot when people get into a new job or into a new relationship, you're like a fake person for six months. And the unfortunate thing is I'm the same person from year one as I am from year 10, 20, it doesn't matter. So you get, you get the full me from day one. And unfortunately, some people you meet, you don't meet the real person till they're six months to a year. Yeah, I I see the real you. I the, the day I met you, which is not that long ago, um, I there was this instant connection. I thought that you were you were a very real guy, and you're very easy to talk to. And um, what I was, I'll just repeat it. What I was most impressed with was your ability to just redefine yourself because to me it's a major i have this curiosity as to how some people are able to redefine themselves become great at something different and they they just keep going they get the pains they get they they get knocked down but they keep going and how would you is it a drive towards success for you I think it's important to realize it doesn't happen overnight. Like I got suspended 10 years ago and it's been a very long journey of working on myself to be where I am today. It's not like I meet someone today and they go, I can't believe you went through that. Look at you today. Like this is the final product and I'm still growing as a person. But if you would have met me even six months ago, a year ago, I'm a completely different person, different mindset. So it's important to always continue to keep working on yourself until you're, you know, the best product that you you can be. How how do you how does Matt how do you define success? Wow, good question. Um, I think success. Some people measure it by you know wealth and and things like that. I think um, there's a saying that goes, uh, "Health is a new wealth." I think it's important to be happy, uh, healthy, healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to be healthy and happy and. Uh, Overall, I'm a huge advocate of just doing what you want to do. I think it's important. If you want to, 
you know, get head tattoos and get a head tattoo. If you want to go and, you know, wear a dress, wear a dress. I don't care. But if you're happy, at the end of the day, you have to look at yourself in the mirror. So as long as you're happy, because when you put your head on the pillow at the end of the day, if you're happy, you know you did everything you could. I think that's the most important thing. So success to me is going to bed with a smile on my face. So as long as you keep reinventing yourself, I mean, the past is always going to be there, but there's always the generation that didn't know that. So you keep building and moving forward and eventually, you know, that thing goes in the past and you learn from it. As long as you learn from it, I don't think uh, there's anything wrong with that. So in the time of in modern day right now, we're exposed to constant quotes and social media and we're bombarded by this. And, you know, I think there's people out there who say, man, I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling that. I see it all the time and people talking about gratitude and they do their gratitude journaling and, and there's people who are really trying hard and they're, 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 they're changing their lives, but they don't do that. They don't do some of the new things that are being meditate, like meditation is a big one, right? Everybody talks about, I meditate. It's an important part of our, my life. And I personally used to meditate a lot. I don't meditate so much anymore, but I do uh, this magical thing called box breathing that I learned and I do it daily. And, and that breathing in traffic or anywhere, it helps calm me down, but I'm not much of a meditator. I, I used to. And so I think some people are putting it out that they're doing things that they're not actually practicing because they feel that if they're not doing it, um, they're not serious about personal development and being the next level. Do you think that there's, do you think there's particular ways that people can practice self-care that aren't necessarily conforming to what we see as popular today? I mean, I think a huge thing for self-care is obviously um, having a, a good nutrition and doing a good diet as much as I, you know, say I eat cookies and pizza, which I do, but everything in moderation. I think it's important to um, also not only train your mind, but I'm sorry, train your body, but also train your mind. I think it's important also to keep reading and to listening and to be open to new ideas. Um, some traits that uh, fall uh, past trainers or boxing coaches is they don't stay up with the times. I think it's important to, as the sport evolves, because every sport does that, is to also stay relevant in the sport and keep an open mind to new ideas, new suggestions, new, you know, new topics and things like that. Do you um, do you practice? With, I I noticed that your your head tattoo. What is that new? That's the newest one, right? Your head tattoo. Yeah, so I got my head tattooed about uh, three weeks ago, and I got uh, praying hands, which uh, is my very first tattoo that I got uh, when I was 17 was also praying hands. My mom took me, which she probably regrets now. Um, but everyone, that's one question that everyone always asks me. What do your parents think? What do your parents think? And uh, the, the thing that always shocks me is my parents, like, they graze me. Of course, they know who I am. They know that my tattoos don't uh, define who I am or what I am. It's just an expression uh, of myself and that's it so I always find it super hilarious when people go your mom must just lose it when you get a, a new tattoo and I have a skull in the back of my neck and he has like crooked teeth and all she said was he should have went to a dentist and that's it <laughs> the the praying hands is is that uh, is that something you do are you a spiritual person I mean yeah, I, I went to a Southern Baptist school when I was in Virginia, and uh, before I went there, my friend uh, he owned uh, 
his dad was a pastor at the church and growing up my um my dad was um going to be a pastor as well my mom worked in sunday school and they used to call me paddle matt because i used to have a little like tape recorder pretend i was also the pastor as well i've always looked for uh like i guess my inspirational quotes also come from a lot from uh the bible since i have uh, philippians 4 13 uh tattooed on my hands um but yeah i mean I'm spiritual, but not maybe as much as I should be. I guess I'm spiritual when things are tough. Not necessarily. I'm not when things go good. I don't. I don't give thanks as much as I should. I give more like, oh, things are going bad. I'm gonna pray about it or read something to make it more positive. All right. Do you have any message or any any type of uh, advice for anybody out there who's in the health fitness industry who might be trying to build up their business and trying to trying to find their footing in all this? Yeah, my advice would be just to stay consistent and keep, you know, grinding it out every single day. Like I said, the the product you see in front of you is years and years of, uh, of practice. Even when I was in um, high school, I was training the football team. I would give them programs, and I was 17. Like, this is a passion. If you don't enjoy it, it's going to show through your work. So if you enjoy training people the money's not always going to be there but the passion will be there i'd rather wake up and not make as much and be happy all day than go to a factory and make a little bit more and come home miserable yeah man um where do you see matt in five years from now where do i see myself in five years well i mean eventually i'd like to have a family (laughs) do you have oh let's start do you have a girlfriend no i don't have a girlfriend yet he's single Uh, ladies and gentlemen well ladies (laughs) and maybe gentlemen (laughs) but i hopefully be running uh you know a successful business by then uh obviously five years strong then um he'll be able to uh obviously employ uh other other trainers and things like that and kind of give them um an opportunity to you know be as successful as i am and kind of take them under my wing and help them move their business forward uh, my ultimate goal is to um, eventually have more than just one location and to open it up. And people always say, like, you train people at 5 a.m., aren't you tired? And I was like, I'd rather be tired in my 30s and then have someone work for me when I'm in my 40s. Then I can relax. But knowing myself, I'll still get up when I'm 40 and still train and still teach. Because not because I need to, because I like I enjoy. I enjoy it. teaching someone how to box and seeing the smile on their face. It's like I'm learning all over again. It's the, it's the best feeling. Yeah, the, uh, the true coach. So, Matt, what's something you can leave everybody with if they are trying to change their life, if they're trying to, whether they're trying to lose weight or get fit or, or they're just in this bad place right now? Think back when you were in your, your situation back in Waterloo. There's, there's a lot of people out there right now feeling just like that. And some of them aren't that strong. They, they could be strong if they get through it because our strength, it's like training, right? The more we work a muscle, the stronger it gets, the bigger it gets, the more resistant it gets. Now, some people are going through the problems and they're not strong yet. So what can you get? What can you give them? I, I honestly think it's all about having a positive role model in your, role model in your life. It's about having positive people around you. Um, one thing my mom always says, which I got tattooed on me, it says one day at a time. So it's just, you take that day and you take it for what it is. And then the next day you deal with it when it comes. Sometimes I'd be so stressed out, you know, I don't have money for this money for that. 
And my mom would say, okay, just like go through today and then tomorrow we'll worry about it. So I think it's important to take one day at a time, one moment at a time, and don't stress about things that might not come because 95% of the time, they those things don't happen. Your your mind is going to just keep running over and over and over again to all the, the these negative dark places. But know that you're in. I think it's important to know that you're in that negative dark place and come to grips with it and say, how can I get out of it? Living in denial is not going to help you get any further. So Matt, um, tell me, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to know Matt? Yeah, so as we talked previously, I'm pretty active on Instagram. You can go ahead and follow me at boxing underscore trainer underscore MTL. That'll all be in the show notes, guys, so be sure to check that out. So um, one last time, Matt, I just want to acknowledge you for your your greatness. I think you're a, a terrific guy. I just was so excited to do this podcast with you. I hope I served you well, and it's a, really in the service of you that I asked you to come in and 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 show people what an awesome guy this this Matt Suckalukchuk is. So check him out on Instagram again. That's all going to be in the show notes, guys. And Matt, thank you once again for being here. Great, I appreciate it. Thank you. You have an awesome day, everybody, and thank you for joining us here on Forked Podcast.